Inside the Adventure Season 1, Episode 14, with Lucas Preddy. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's up, everyone? This is your host, Marshall Mosier, and I'm so thrilled to have you join us today for another episode of Inside the Adventure, where today we're speaking with Lucas Preti, a world-renowned rock climber, boulderer, and professional filmmaker from Italy. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lucas. How's it going? Hey, hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're really excited to, uh, to have you on the show with us today. So you're out in California right now, right? Yeah, I'm in Santa Monica. Awesome. How's, uh, how's the weather in Santa Monica? I hear it's always perfect there. It's always perfect, but today actually rained and it was very, it was a surprise. Really? Doesn't it like yeah. never rain there? Yeah, it was like <laughs> a fake rain, like 10 minutes rain, but it's not like... <laughs> it's like getting snow in Atlanta. That's exactly. Where it's the same. Out. The city shuts down for, for a couple <laughs> yeah. hours at a time. Yeah, nobody is awesome. able to drive anymore with, like, if it's raining. Oh yeah, yeah. Same with us. If it if it snows like a millimeter, everyone freaks out. No one can use the roads. It causes massive traffic. So I guess the same thing with rain there, right? The same, exactly. That's funny. Well, for everyone listening today, to tell you a little bit more about Lucas, uh, he's a professional filmmaker, cinematographer, and former award-winning professional climber, holding world championship titles in bouldering has multiple first-place victories in the Italian Climbing Cup and was ranked as one of the top five climbers of the World Cup ranking till 2011. Lucas is now currently managing his production company, The Coral Climb, one of the best established filmmaking companies in Italy that specializes in documentary filmmaking and branded content, where he's worked on dozens of documentaries, films, and advertisements from around the world from major network and corporate clients such as National Geographic, the U.S. Navy, and La Sportiva. Lucas is currently based out in California in Los Angeles and Santa Monica, managing the filmmaking company full-time. So that's a really awesome list of accomplishments. Do you still get a chance to climb a lot? Yeah, of course. Like In LA, it's kind of difficult to find like a, a nice outdoor place to go climbing. So... Uh, I normally go to the gym. So uh, like twice a week, three times a week, I still climb. I have a lot of fun. Yeah. That's really good that you still get a chance to get out and climb. I know uh, uh, even when um, climbing is something that kind of uh, sparks the the founding of, of something like your company, sometimes the busyness from work takes us away from the reason why we actually get got started with it. So that's good yeah. to still get a chance to... <laughs> it's to it's tough it. to have to convince myself to stop and like stop sitting in front of a computer and go at least to the gym to to have some some climbing sessions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I have to make sure I do the same thing and even uh even as a host for an outdoor podcast sometimes I don't get a chance to get outside much anymore cuz I'm just constantly doing work, but I uh, I hear you. I've got to remind myself that you know, I need to take a break. It's important. Got to get out and do it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so was was climbing really kind of the way that you got started um, in kind of your love for outdoor filmmaking as well? Was was your experience climbing the thing that sparked 
uh, the founding of your company also? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I, I can say that like through climbing, I, I started doing what I'm doing now. And, and it was the love of the both. My, my, my interest in, is was climbing and filmmaking and combining them together was like a natural evolution of what I was doing. I was, um, I was competing mainly like all the time, like I was training almost every day of the week. And at the same time, you know, like climbing is not like soccer. You don't, you're going to gonna get millions in your bank account and sponsors are like very supportive, but they are small. So I started doing some video stuff while I was a professional athlete and I was shooting for my sponsors. So let's say I had a sponsor for climbing shoes and I, so I was like what about guys I shoot you I shoot a video about me going to climb climbing somewhere and the same thing I was doing for the t-shirts and the sunglasses and stuff like that and I was loving uh, loving the process of filmmaking and and by the time I was I was getting better as a filmmaker I was also getting older as a climber older like I was 26, so like I was older for a climber, not as a person. But it was I had this feeling that I wanna like I was I was already achieving most of my goals as an athlete, and I wanted to get into filmmaking more. And uh, I found there was a it was a point where I decided to just rationally thinking to stop my career as a climber and get 100% to filmmaking before it was too late for me to make this switch. Let's say when I was like, at, even like at my age, now I'm 32, probably it would have been too late for me to start doing like a professional cinematographer filmmaker right now. So when it was like, it was in 2011, I decided to, to stop competing and doing 100% cinematography. That's really awesome how your climbing experience kind of helped, uh, helped move into your love for cinematography. And I'd love to hear more about kind of how you got started with the Coral Climb and, and the founding story. But before we get into that, I'd love to learn more about kind of how you started rock climbing and how that whole journey began for you. So what actually got you into rock climbing in the first place? Uh, my family. Uh, I come from from northern Italy and it's very close to the Alps, to the mountain range. I live like two hours from Switzerland and two hours from Austria, just to, to let you understand better. Like, it's not like Italy, like you imagine like mandolino spaghetti and, <laughs> and pizza. It's more like mountains, lakes and glaciers. And my grandfather loved mountains and brought my dad into climbing when he was like at elementary schools. And my dad became a very, very strong uh, alpineer and climber in the 70s. He was the first Italian person to climb El Capitan, for example. Wow. And so he, was the, he, he started doing climbing uh, when climbing was like growing as a real sport, like the transition from like hiking boots to climbing shoes. So, and I, I born in that, like I was born in 83 and my father was a professional climber at that time. So I grew up in a family and my, my uncle, my, my father's brother was a climber too. My mom's brother 
was a climber too. So everybody in the family were involved in, in, in climbing and mountain stuff. So I grew up since I was at the kindergarten climbing. So it was like, it's strange because for me, it's not like I never started climbing. It was like, when did you start walking or riding your bicycle? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I have like, I've always been involved into vertical stuff. That's awesome. So it's, it's less of when did you start climbing and more of just, you know, when you start walking and climbing, it's all the same thing. And <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel almost like guilty that. when they ask me, well, when did you start climbing? Because I, and I never started climbing. Like it was like part of my but always. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it... It's amazing. At the same time, I think that takes away a little bit of this, uh, adventure element for my point of view about climbing, because it being something like very natural that you start doing when you're very, very young, you don't get this discovery process that you maybe dis- encounter when you discover a new sport, when you're a teenager or something like that, that you like, nobody's doing in your family and you, you have this passion towards something very new. For me, it wasn't new. So it's a, it's a very strange approach to, to this amazing uh, sport and, and activity. That's really interesting. So it always just seemed natural uh, since yeah. you grew up doing it. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that a lot of the accomplishments professionally of your dad in climbing were some of the things that inspired you to kind of take it beyond just a hobby and want to compete professionally as well? Yeah, for sure. My my dad was also my my first coach. <laughs> and and it was like every time I was out climbing with him, it was a, a sort of like push the, my, my, my limits a little bit farther in a, in a sort of playful way. But uh, I never went outside climbing just for like doing the same thing I did the last time. It was just a little bit a step forward, trying to learn something new. And my dad was super, super useful to to become a like... To, to allow me to become a, like a, a good climber without even knowing it. Like without even knowing I was training, I was already training when I was seven years old or something like that. Wow. What do you think it takes to become a great climber? Uh, it takes, I think it, it takes a lot, a lot of uh, practice into different scenarios. Like you have to to allow your body to try as many different moves you can. Like if you're good in vertical walls, you have to climb on steeper walls on ropes. If you're good in rope, you have to climb on slabs and you have to change a lot of uh, angles and kind of holds shapes. And in order to experience this different balance and body balance, uh, body positions and you know, all all this stuff goes in your in your memory <laughs> and then you can use it later on in different situations for example for me it was in different competitions it's a very pr- long process of like learning every position of your body and then reuse it later on in different climbs is there a lot of training you have to do to get your body to be able to get into those types of positions outside of rock climbing, like stretches or any other type of workouts that help you to maneuver in that way? No, I would say that 
I was kind of a lazy climber and I, I spent 99% of my time just climbing. And the sooner you do it, the better, because it's a, when you're 10 years old, is a, everything is natural. Everything you do is natural. Your body think is like what you're supposed to do. If you, if you do the same thing when you're 18 or 20, it's totally different. I experienced myself, for example, I started playing drums when I was 20, I guess. And I lost the opportunity to, to learn it when I was younger. And I totally feel the difference of what I have, what I feel when I'm climbing that I started doing when I was very young. It's so natural for me. Instead of doing something that you learn a little later in your life, you have like a more rational approach to it. And it's a different, a different feeling when you then perform it. That's so true. I know growing up with doing something, it really sticks with you so much more, but it also has some, so much more of a pr profound impact because your memories from when you're young play such a larger role in shaping who you are for the rest of your life just because yeah. they were such integral early memories. So mm -hmm. are there any initial memories that are some of your uh, favorite rock climbing memories from when you were growing up uh, that kind of helped shape both your <laughs> personality and the sport? Uh, yes, I have two or three of them. The first one was my first climbing adventure, uh, the day before going to kindergarten. So my parents, we went all together on a climbing trip and it was like super climb, super easy climb, but it was with all my uncles and aunts with the ropes and like faking it was a real like climbing, like with repelling down and stuff like that and it was super easy but it was like it was a joy to do it with with your family and then uh when i was i guess fifth grade i climbed like my first like multi-pitch serious wall like real wall it was a cliff on the water and it was like big emotion and was like so proud of like being able to do it when I did it, like you, if the day before you're so nervous, I, I still remember like having to do it like tomorrow I have to do this crazy, scary thing. And then when you, when you go through this, you are very happy. And then all these little steps helps you become more um, confident when you're, we are grown up and let's say you're in a, you're a competition and you have to perform and all these memories are there in your like in the back of your brain and you you know inside you that you did what you could you did everything you could in order to be successful in that point that's so true and those memories really stick with you for for the rest of your life as well and they're so powerful yeah can you explain that a little bit more with kind of what you were feeling in those different scenarios so when you were first scared to try something new, what that felt like, and then also what really excites you when you finally accomplish that for the first time and what that feels like? Well, I think that first of all, I don't like, like it looks like strange, but I really don't like heights. I don't like hanging on the rope very tall from the ground. I think it's a natural, like uh, safe mode from your, <laughs> from your body in order to avoid dangerous situation. But I really had to train myself to get confident about heights. It, it wasn't a natural thing for me. It wasn't like the crazy kid 
enjoying like hanging on the ropes and doing crazy stuff. I am a very rational person and, and I was already rational when I was eight or five. And I remember that I, I felt this, like, you're in, like your brain knows that it's a dangerous thing. You shouldn't be there with, with the rope. And so I had to, I struggled a lot when I was young to force myself doing it. And, uh, and for example, my, my dad didn't have the same problem. He really liked crazy and dangerous stuff. So it was hard to let him understand my, my feelings when I was very young. And, but being able to, to get over these fears is is a very is like a is a, like a medicine like you you go through something difficult and when you are over it you feel stronger and you can approach new problems in your life because you know that you 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 were able to to, to approach your fears when you were younger i guess it was very helpful for me this uh, this element that's so true you know a lot of people would assume that if they're someone who doesn't like heights, then climbing just wouldn't be for them. Uh, but that's so inspiring to hear your story about a, a professional climber like yourself who had yeah. to overcome an initial fear of heights. So what yeah, would you recommend uh, to someone who might be scared of heights but, but wants to get into climbing? How do you overcome that? I would say uh, small steps. And you get used, like, you get used to everything. Right. And so you start from some, maybe you just go bouldering in your gym and you climb like a few feet from the ground. And after five, 10 times that you, you go there, you're used to that height and then you go higher and then maybe you go top rope in your gym and you are now, uh, 20 feet from the ground or more. And then you get used to that and then small steps. So your body gets used to it. And another thing is uh, do it well, like uh, continuously. If you in this process, if you stop for let's say if you stop for three months and you go back, you will almost have to start from the beginning. Like you get, you, you need to stay, you, you to stay. Um, how do you say? Uh, uh, I can say in English. I can say you need you to stay. That persistence and. Yeah, you have to be persistent with, with this yeah. training. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's so true. Yeah, I, uh, I I realize that in a lot of sports as well. I'll I'll take a break or be busy or whatever happens. You know, life happens, and I'll come back to it and say, well, I thought I was a lot better than this, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I guess I lost some of it in the past. You know, exactly. four or five months. That's so true. Well, uh, look, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say that kind of after. Uh, after so many years of of putting in the the persistence and the dedication to become such an incredible climber, what was it like being ranked as one of the top five climbers in the world um, and being a part of that community? So it's such a long process to get there that at one, once you're there, it feels so so natural. It's like you're supposed to be there because it like took so much time that you get used to it. But when you stop. For for example, right now when I look back, where what I was like five years ago feels more like amazing than than when I was actually involved in the situation, 
because it was like a natural a natural step in my career. So when I was 12, I was the best in my regional Italian competitions. And when I was 16, I was the best in the nationals. And I was 18, I was good in the European climbing competitions and so on. So it, was, it wasn't like, a, it's not like you win the lottery. Like <laughs> it's, it's not all at once. Such a, such a slow process that it feels like the place you, you should be when you're there. Exactly. But yeah, and, and anyway, it's beautiful though. Like the the climbing scene in high high levels is so nice. All the people are so friendly, and you're like it's kind of it's kind of a small a small team of people, and you know everyone, and you go compete with them every week, and it's very it's a very cool experience to live. That's amazing. So after being a part of an experience like that. How did you transition into cinematography and videography? What was the inspiration to get started with founding your company and moving more into your other passion of yeah. Uh, videography? Yeah, again, like my family is, has a big role in this because my father is <laughs> being a professional climber before I was. He was also a director. So, and my uncle too is a, he's a producer. So it's sort of a family business, and it's funny because they are they are not like the um, the most common things to do in your life. But for me, they are very they are very natural because everyone in my family is doing the same. So I just pick my field that was cinematography more than directing or producing. I'm I really like like the gear I use for shoot to shoot, and I I have so much fun shooting. And when I started shooting more seriously, when I was, let's say, 20, 22, 23, I really loved it. And I I knew since the beginning that cinematography was my field, the the camera department, and more than directing or or producing. And at the same time, I want to study something. So while I was competing, I also studied. But in Italy, there is no university for actual filmmaking. You only can study history of cinema, history of theater. And so I had to pick another university and I ended up studying architecture. I felt like the closest thing for me about composition, taste, and aesthetics in general. So I ended up studying something that wasn't very connected, but right now I'm happy I did it because I can I use, actually use it, what I learned. For my for my cinematography too. It's interesting how sometimes things you do might seem unrelated or unconnected, and then eventually yeah. just kind of light bulb clicks, and you can utilize all those different things from different areas that you thought were unrelated to make something truly right, special. Right. And that's what I I really enjoy about uh, some of the films. Yeah, I watched your videos and the footage um, that your team got from the site, and it really blew my mind. Uh, you know, one of the things you talk about on your website is that your team can obtain footage that others can't because it involves either difficult climbs or putting yourself at risk. And I can only imagine doing this with the regular climbing gear is tough, but you guys also have thousands of dollars worth of equipment. What's it like getting those shots? And did your skills from rock climbing play a big part in being able to do that? Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Like You can combine your both your loves your life and do them together in the same time it's super fun it's just a little bit more complicated because you kind of have 
to keep in mind both of them simultaneously. So you, you can completely forget you are hanging on the rope while you're filming. And at the same time, when you're climbing, you can completely forget that in your, in your backpack you have like a very expensive camera, something like that. And it's fun because we were involved in very cool projects where we could use our knowledge in both the fields. And for example, last year we went to shoot a, a, a feature movie in Italy on a glacier. It was a war movie and we, we climb, we hide and everything is, is very natural because it's what we do anyway. So it's very important was very important for our success being being natural in what we were doing it, we like if you're a cinematographer you're used to to shoot only in a studio if they take you on an helicopter they bring you on the top of the mountain and they, and they leave you there maybe you are overwhelmed by the situation and you can focus on cinematography at the same time we can do it because it's it's what we do anyway so being on the top of the of the mountain is like is not a big deal. Like you take right, your tripod and yeah, exactly. yeah, and so it's, it's super fun. That's amazing. I'm sure you get to go to some incredible places. And even though, um, you know, even though the the scene might uh, not be as big of a deal uh, to you guys as it might be to someone who doesn't do as many outdoor experiences, do you have a most memorable film that you've created in a really amazing place that really that that experience really stuck with you? Uh, yeah, we shot a, a, an amazing climbing scene in um, close to Naples in Italy for a feature movie. And there are these three um, like cliffs that falls into into the the Mediterranean uh, Sea, and they are like multi pitch walls of uh, sandstone, white sandstone. And we had to climb, and there were no no anchors, so we had, <laughs> we had to climb almost like putting our our stuff and and in reaching the top and collaborate with the other climbers who were taking like the um, the actors and the stuntmen on the other peak to shoot through the um, with like long lenses it was super fun it was like adventure slash filmmaking slash climbing so the best wow that's really amazing mm. and from from what I know, and I don't know a ton about filmmaking, but I know that there's so much effort and time that goes into making just a two to three minute film. Uh, and all the, especially for your, uh, your production company, all of the incredible outdoor uh, feats you, you have to accomplish to be able to do that. Uh, I, I know it can, it can take j- days just to, just to make that two to three minute film. Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of, what that's like to to get all of that footage and just be able to narrow it down into two to three minutes. Yeah. First of all, like the, the big step is like post-production and everybody think like, Oh, it's so cool. You have, you're exposed to outdoor stuff. You are shooting with drones in the mountains, but nobody thinks about like, it's one day in the mountains and 10 days in front of a computer editing the stuff. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you have to remember that if you want to, if someone listening wants to do this kind of job, it's not like 99% in the, 
in the forest, but it's 99% in front of computer. <laughs> exactly. <That's laughs> looks like... looks super fun on the paper, but at the end of the story, it's not that, it's not that adventurous. Right. Do you have a lot of friends that think like you're out on the mountain yeah. every day? Yeah, of course. Like you're so lucky you spend all the time in the mountain. Like it's not the... Right. It's not the <laughs> it's truth. It's not always the case. <laughs> no. Do you think... Um, uh, do you think that's a, a common misconception in the world of uh, videography? And, and do you think that there are others as well uh, that uh, people might not know about? If you are a videographer, you know how does it work. It's more a mis- misconception for people who, who are not filmmakers, who right. think like you're an outdoor filmmaker, then you are in the outdoors all the time. <laughs> it's not like that. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately. That's so and, and it takes a lot of time of preparation too, like, uh, storyboarding the scene and vis- pre-visualize it is a very important element before before getting there and being sure you have you 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 went through the filmmaking process before actually doing it. It's is a very very important step. That's so true. And yeah. speaking about preparation, you've worked with huge corporate companies. Uh, in the past, such as National Geographic, GE, the Discovery Channel, how do you go about working with such large companies? And what's the preparation like on the front end to be able to establish that um, that deal in the first place? So it depends. Depends if I'm working. Um, if my company is working for these big companies, sometimes I can. I'm 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 that lucky to be involved only in the the filmmaking process. So I just have the most fun part. So. They give me the idea and I have to go out and shoot it. Sometimes is that you have to um, to deal more with the clients and find find out what they want, what they need specifically for that precise project, and it get more complicated. And, and every every project is so different that you I can like I can give you like a overall experience. Every time is different, and I enjoy it more when I'm just behind the camera. So they give me my camera, I go out, shoot it, and I deliver my memory cards and I say bye-bye. <laughs> I go to the next project. That's my that's the best. But normally it doesn't happen like that. So you have to to do to go through a lot of pre-production ideas, storyboarding, and then go out shoot and then the post-production is the most tedious process because it's difficult. And and sometimes the clients have their own ideas. You have other ideas. You have to be very professional to right. to find a middle exactly. point. Yeah, yeah. You got to make sure that that everyone's kind of ideas match up in the end. And there's there's a lot of work that that goes into it outside yeah. of uh, the fun things that you get to do and climbing on the mountains and being and outside. Every, yeah. And every time you learn something new, is like is a new is a new teaching session in every project. That's so true. Le- learning session. More than oh, absolutely. I'm sure yeah. it's a, a constant learning experience. Yeah, but it is. It's fun. Yeah, I'm sure. And and even though even though there's so so much work that goes into the post production, pre production, all of the work outside of what you're actually doing in the field, which is the fun stuff. Tell us what it's like to be able to professionally work as a job that also combines your passions for being outside and rock climbing. And what advice would you give to people who are trying to find that balance between their professional job and their passions as well? Um, I think you have to be uh, committed to your line, to your idea. If you want to, to, if you want that seriously, 
you keep on trying. And you, I learned it actually from my sport background. So when you're an athlete, uh, and I think it, it works perfectly well in your normal life, like your daily life, you compete and of course you're not going to win every competition. Maybe you win once every 10 times and it's like 10% of success and 90% of failure, but it's enough. Like, you know, that it's like that. And then when you turn it to your normal life, you're not, you don't accept to be like failure 90% of the time and 10% success, but it's like that is the same. So out of 10 clients I contact, maybe one says yes. Out of 10 shots that I take, one is the nice one and nine are the bad ones. And it's the same. So, so you have to accept that it's going to be a tough process. You have to keep on trying and insist until you reach your goals and the same with the technique so sometimes i me too i i forget that it's all about quality so it's it's the same in the sport like if you want to 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 be like the first in the world you have to train hard and if you want to be a very successful filmmaker you you need to be a good filmmaker first of all so you need to train and try and fail and correct your mistakes until you become a better one. And as soon as you get decent, uh, you, you become a decent in something, you start getting jobs and, and from those jobs you learn and, and so on. It's amazing seeing how all of the lessons you learned from climbing are so relevant for everything you do in yeah. your incredible production company as well. It's amazing yeah, I, think, I think climbing is, is, a, is an amazing comparison to life. Like how you have... I, I, you have to insist in what you are, you are trying to achieve and, and you, don't, you don't give up until you get it because at one point you, you'll get it. It's just a matter of trying. Absolutely. Just got to stick with it. Until you get yeah, it. like, like bouldering. Like even if you go to your closest climbing gym and you pick a, a problem that is too hard for you and you, you try and maybe the first session you don't do it, maybe in two months you'll be able to do it. Just having that persistence and, and not getting discouraged is, is the key, right? Exactly. And it's the fun too, because when if if you get it the first attempt is not fun. It's more fun if you if when you get it after two months of attempts, then it's gonna be very you're gonna be way more happy. Exactly. But you gotta stick with the pursuit in order to have the exciting part at the end. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Lucas, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for everything you've shared with us. Your story is absolutely inspiring, and I can't wait to see more of your incredible uh, videos as they come out. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much, Lucas. This podcast is brought to you by Vestigo, a peer-to-peer adventure-sharing platform that lets people experience the best an area has to offer by connecting with the local professionals that both have the gear and the knowledge to facilitate incredible and unique outdoor experiences. People have even called it an Airbnb for outdoor guides. Recently, we talked to Tyler, a fan of Vestigo who has gone on four trips so far. Let's see here. So I guess the most memorable so far is uh, Mount Yona. It's my favorite spot. I've gone there with Vestigo, and then actually I've gone there by myself a couple times afterwards because I loved it. Most memorable because I went rappelling off the side of a mountain for the first time. Do you think you would have gone rappelling if you were not on a Vestigo trip? I do not. No. Uh, maybe someday in the future. Uh, of course, just like anything else, you'd be like, yeah, I can get around to that. Vestigo allowed it to be like, let's do it. You want to do it? Here's when, here's where. 
you know, let's go. What would you say to someone that is on the fence about going on a trip? Go. Just go now. It's, uh, it's, you, you just can't beat it. You can't do it yourself. It's not like they're providing someone the motivation to do something that they could do themselves, but maybe don't. I mean, and, and, and they can, but it's just, there's nothing matched going in a group. I mean, if you want to go on vacation somewhere, whether you want to do some activity, like having the group of people makes it, just makes it. And uh, so, so going to do something for the first time with 10 to 15 other people who might also be doing it for the first time that maybe I know them, maybe I don't, we can kind of share our, you know, nerves or experiences or how awesome it was afterwards. Um, and then just going with someone that knowledgeable, um, you know, it's, it just all around, I enjoyed it so much that I've gone back three times since. Vestigo, an adventure sharing platform that provides people the knowledge, confidence, and safety to repel off a cliff for the first time. To learn more about Vestigo, visit their website at vestigo.co, V-E-S-T-I-G-O dot C-O. When you sign up for your trip, use the promo code podcast and receive 10% off your first trip. Vestigo, find an adventure, book a trip, go.